0: Let's do it.
1: And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Jr.
2: Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerwido from the
3: St. John Sea i And Braden Holper for the Saskatoon Blades. Gabriel Landescog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Katrille from the Drummondville Voltageur. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Sturkot. Hey, it's Gail McCarve. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's
1: Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Baron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College.
3: The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia.
1: Hey, it's Joel Faraby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany.
3: I'm Philip Roberg of the Team Sweden. It's Elliot hall Hey, it's Nicola Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Eberle of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Kunim from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Zerry from the Kamloops Blazers. I'm Alexander Holz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanderson, FS for Team USA. Brandon Schneider, Katie Dooley. Here's Mark Rossi. I'm from the other Senators. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pipeline Show. I hope you're having a good weekend. This uh, episode did get pushed back an extra day as I was trying to secure a uh, a fourth interview for this week's show, but the player I was trying to connect with, we just couldn't find uh, free time at the same time. So uh, hopefully that'll get pushed to uh, next week. But I do have a good show for you. Welcome to the program, everybody. If you're a newcomer, then uh, welcome aboard. And if you're a returning listener, well, thank you very much uh, for coming back uh, for more of the Pipeline Show. And if you're a patron, well, extra special thanks uh, for you. It's your uh, $2 a month contribution, or more if uh, you're one of those that have uh, stepped up even more. But uh, for most people, it's the uh, $2 a month early access uh, level of, of support through Patreon. That's patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. Help and keep the lights on here for the Pipeline Show in this extended off season, I, I really appreciate your ongoing support. Let's get to a couple of uh, news items. Of course, the biggest news right now, I suppose, is happening in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League as a preseason action now underway. We've had games in the queue for the last uh, two or three nights. I'm not going to go through all the scores or anything like that, but it's kind of nice to have hockey going again, at least in, in some form or fashion. Going to have a guest on, I'll tell you who that is a little bit later, but uh, there'll be a lot of uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League talk uh, on the show today in in our final segment. As I'll be honest, it's kind of sn- snuck up on me. I, I almost feel like, you know, there's been no talk about it out west with the WHL or you know, the Ontario Hockey League and junior A leagues around here. The HHL pushed their season back uh, to an undetermined uh, start point. It just it it's kind of felt like, well, it's two three months away at the most, and then all of a sudden the Q's playing. Uh, so it kind of snuck up on me. So I wanted to get an update. I'll bring you that uh, to uh, close out the uh, the show this week. Uh, but just looking at the, some of the stats, one of the things we talked about with my guest in that uh, final segment is just um, you know what happens if uh, a player who was maybe injured a lot last year, and I use the example of Justin Barron and Hendricks Lapierre, what if they get off to a great start? Does that help their case, uh, their draft-eligible guys? Well, Hendricks Lapierre, four points in his uh, first game of the preseason. Just thought that was interesting and would pass on. But uh, yeah, they are playing in the queue. Uh, no fans though, except in the Maritimes they're allowed up to twenty twenty five percent of uh, the arena capacities, and the teams won't leave their division. They'll just be playing each other all year. And I wonder would that maybe that'll be the question of the week? Would you be happy with that if you're you know in the OHL or the WHL if uh, the teams don't leave their division? Um, so for example here in the WHL, just to be the Alberta teams in Swift Current. Just play each other for 60 games or 68 games this year. Would you be okay with that? And what if you're not allowed into the rink? So you'd be watching all the games online. Would you as a fan be good with that? I suppose most people would say some hockey is better than no hockey. The U.S. division only comes to the Eastern Conference, uh, half of the Eastern Conference one year and the other half the other year. Uh, In this situation, they wouldn't even leave uh, the United States. And really, quite honestly, with the border the way it is and the uh, cases of COVID-19 south of the border, maybe that's the way it's going to go. I don't know. I know uh, John Keane, voice of the uh, Kamloops Blazers, had Ron Robinson on his radio show, I guess it was about a week ago. And that idea did get uh, tossed around that it sounds like it's at least on the table that, you know, all the BC teams would just stay in BC and play each other. And quite honestly, it makes sense. I I think it would kind of get boring after a while just playing the same four teams. But you got to do what you got to do. And uh, maybe that's what the WHL has got to do. We'll see. December is still three months away. Uh, Lots can change between now and then, uh, especially now that uh, school is open. And speaking of which, I saw in the United States, saw south of the border that the or actually north of the border, the University of Alaska in, in uh, Fairbanks the uh, Nanooks well the hockey program uh, has been uh, quarantined uh, six players have tested positive for covid-19 after attending a uh, an off-campus party so it's affected the entire program the coaches are have been quarantined as well uh, for the next couple of weeks now the program itself wasn't expected to be playing hockey until maybe december they have been practicing though so that has all been put on hold at the moment, and that's up in Fairbanks, Alaska. So not good news there. One uh, WHL note to pass on. Uh, Manny Vivros has uh, turned pro once again. I I, I think everybody knows he, well, he was in Spokane this past season, but after being fired by the Edmonton Oilers, I think everybody knows he was looking to get another pro job. He wasn't considering coming back to the WHL, but nothing came his way, so he ended up in Spokane, did a great job with the Chiefs, and has uh, now been hired by uh, Kelly McCrimmon, and the Vegas Golden Knights to be the head coach of uh, their new AHL affiliate, the Henderson Silver Knights. So Manny Viveros no longer in Spokane. Adam Maglio has been uh, promoted to be the uh, new head coach for the Spokane Chiefs. That's really about all I have for uh, news and notes. So uh, let's get to the guest list. And, of course, all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Uh, The uh, tap room in Red Deer is open. And uh, big news this week for the Pipeline Show with Troubled Monk. I've been telling you about the home delivery that's available here in Alberta, especially if you're in uh, Calgary, Red Deer, Edmonton, Sherwood Park, and St. Albert. You order by 1 o'clock, you can get same-day home delivery. And now, when you order, place your order, you go online, you go to troubledmonk.com, and you place your order, there'll be a spot for a promo code. You enter the word PIPELINE, and that delivery, no matter if you're spending You're buying a six pack or you're buying a flat or five flats. You know, you're spending 20 bucks or you're spending 200 bucks. That delivery free. All you got to do is enter the code pipeline and those delivery costs are on the house. And that is effective immediately. So if you're hearing this, that is available to you if you are in one of those five cities. And I'm told they are working out the logistics to uh, expanding that to other areas of Alberta as well. So all of my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline, and uh, now you can enjoy some uh, Troubled Monk with your free home delivery just by entering the promo code PIPELINE. I have three guests for you today. We are going to start with uh, player agent Jerry Johansson from the Sports Corporation. I wanted to talk to him because I wanted to get a sense of what his role is over the uh, the offseason, a normal off season. You know, you got the NHL draft and things like that. How different is it this year when we've, you know, We've got a six-month offseason so far. We do finally have a date for the draft, but you know, what's his role for the players? Does he have concern about how this long stoppage is going to impact um, player development for his guys? And just get a sense of what the lay of the land is like uh, for an agent these days. So Jerry Johansson is going to kick off the show. Then I'm going to uh, connect with Rod Peterson. He's the uh, host of the Rod Peterson show. He was a uh, voice of the Regina Pats for 15 years. He's basically the uh, sports king of uh, Regina. We'll get him on the show, talk to him. He had a rant earlier this week on his show about COVID-19 and his thoughts about uh, the need to get back to playing and the need to get back to normalcy. So we'll we'll talk to Rod and uh, find out more about uh, that opinion and how it uh, could trickle down to the Western Hockey League. So Rod Peterson, will be guest number two, and I mentioned we'll uh, close things out with a look at the queue. Mike Sanderson, who is uh, with McKean's Hockey and has been a longtime broadcaster out in the queue, he's going to join me with uh, somewhat of a Quebec Major Junior Hockey League uh, preview, season preview for the queue, more just to get the host here uh, caught up on everything that's been happening out on the East Coast. So three terrific guests. It's going to be a good show. We'll kick it off next with Jerry Johansson from the Sports Corporation. This is the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. Now, near side White. Far side Krebs. Wrist shot scores! Peyton Krebs, a wrist shot from the far side, and gets by Bailey Birkin. Hey, Peyton Krebs from the Kootenay Ice, and this is the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week, it's definitely one worth talking about. Tell them why, bud. Juicy Gossip, New England Pale Ale. This bright and full-flavored IPA is flashy and delicious. Tropical flavors of pineapple and mango dominate this perfectly hoppy beer. Player comparable, Alex Ovechkin. Specialized job and every time is a party. Troubled Monk, visit the Tap Room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Oh, my.
3: We're back on The Pipeline Show, and let's kick off this week's episode. You know, the last few weeks, we've been uh, getting a bunch of scouts on to talk about the NHL draft now that we we have an official uh, date for the draft. But and we've had a number of players on over the last, uh, well, eight, nine, ten months now. This offseason just continues to drag on and on. Uh, but what does an agent do right now, with uh, in respect to uh, how they go about their business when nothing is really happening? Everything's kind of in a holding pattern. Well, of course, unless you're in uh, on the East Coast, and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League has begun their uh, their training camps. Uh, but I'm pleased to be joined once again by Jerry Johansson from the Sports Corporation. Jerry, welcome back to the show. How are you?
2: I'm really good. Thanks for having me on.
3: A pleasure to get a chance to uh, to chat again and catch up. And maybe we'll just start with that. And just how different is this uh, this September for you compared to you know a normal September in terms of junior and college hockey? I know you're focused a lot on the NHL and your your client list there, but from a a junior and a draft perspective, this has got to be really weird.
2: Yeah, it is. Like you couldn't it couldn't be more opposite of what a normal year is. Like uh, this is probably more it's sort of like early. I don't even know how to compare it. There's really nothing going on. And, uh, you know, usually the the May, June, July is the busiest time of year for us, um, frankly, uh, because it's the, you know, all the the young guys, the Western Hockey League draft is sort of uh, up and running and there's all these regional camps. Um, Then we get into, you know, the NHL draft and the the NHL combine. Um, You know, we have uh, salary arbitration and free agency, most of our contracts are done during that period. So it's really the busiest time and, and all of that's been pushed back, well, frankly, to October. Um, you know, so it is pretty odd. And, and at this time of year, all the young guys are in camps and skating and, you know, all that stuff's happening. So pro guys are heading back to their cities right about now. So yeah, it's pretty different.
3: How different is it for your guys that you're representing who are, you know, highly touted for the, the draft? some of them would have had CHL playoffs a lot of them would have went to the the World U18s uh, and then the NHL combine and all of that wiped out this past spring uh, just not being able to showcase your guys like that i suppose everybody's in the same boat but not having that opportunity and, and for the players those memories that's uh, it's got to be disappointing and challenging for you
2: yeah the, probably the biggest thing is just the, the the memories and the opportunities that they missed you know like it's uh, i'm not sure it really affects draft position all that much because the teams have done a pretty thorough job even with the shortened season. So they have a pretty good sense of these guys. They've been watching them too, as underages too. So it's, they have a pretty good book, but you know, not being able to go to the draft, not being able to go to the combine, you know, the hockey Canada events. I mean, those things are, are pretty cool events, you know, that uh, even our pro guys remember clearly, you know, years after. So that's probably the biggest thing. And I think with the team's, They've got pretty solid books of information. So, you know, I think the draft will still have pretty solid integrity. Um, but, yeah, it's just missing those those once-in-a-lifetime kind of events is kind of too bad.
3: Jerry, I know all the players that go to the Combine, they have the, all the interview sessions with with the teams. Having no Combine, I know all the uh, a number of players have probably had more interviews even because of how much downtime there's been. When you're setting up interviews for your teams or for your players with teams, are guys getting a lot more interviews than they would normally?
2: I think so. Yeah. It's, you know, I would and maybe not necessarily more, but certainly scattered out over a longer period of time. So it seems like more, I mean, one thing about the combine, it's pretty tight. Like you show up in Buffalo, you're there for three or four days and then you're just kind of knocking off the interviews, you know? So it's sort of like all in one chunk. Um, And now, and, and there's been a ton of zoom in, you know, zoom meetings and all kinds of different things. And it's, you know, but you're doing one a day or two a day. So it stretches out over weeks and weeks, which makes it seem like longer and more. But uh, yeah, it's it's been different, but it's worked pretty well. I mean, the guys, you know, they seem to get the information they need. And again, you sort of miss that, you know, meeting all these NHL guys in person at the combine, which is kind of cool. Right. And I know for the teams, they do like to meet the player, you know, some of the GMs and some of the, you know, the top guys haven't met these kids. So it's kind of nice to see them in person and shake their hand. And that's uh, that's that's sort of not good.
3: When it comes to training, I mean, there's, it's been an extended off season, so a lot more training time for for players. But for a long stretch of that, there was no ice time available because rinks weren't uh, open or, or there was no ice anywhere. How, how much has that changed here over the last say month or two? Uh, and as your role as a, as a, as a player rep, as an agent do you are you hands-on with trying to get guys set up for training or or how does that work
2: yeah we're pretty hands-on i mean i'd say it's right back to normal now um but we're just making sure it's pendant especially early like vancouver sort of opened up it seemed like before everybody else because they had more private arenas um but really within a probably a two or three week period every it seemed like the entire all the western provinces were sort of up and running so you know, um, we're just making sure all of our guys, they're all from different areas. They all have, you know, they all have access to different things. Mm-hmm. So we're just making sure they are all, you know, doing something that makes sense for them. And, uh but yeah, all of our guys are sort of in a group, you know, Um the only thing I would say, there's no excuse for not being in shape when camp's open, because this is the longest off season in history. So, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be the guy going in out of shape. That's going to be a hard one to explain.
3: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, with the draft, now that we know it's October 9th and 10th, do we know what sort of sort of uh, shape it's going to have? Is it all going to be online, or will there be some sort of, you know, gathering of teams uh, in Montreal again, or, or do we know yet?
2: Well, I can't imagine that we'll be going to Montreal. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't see a, a scenario where we'd be doing that, Um you know, but, but I, I, so I, I don't know for sure, but I'm 99% sure that we're going to be just doing this online, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and then I don't know but what the media, maybe media will be at some of the guys' houses to do interviews and do some things like that. So the NHL probably, I mean, they did such a good job with the playoffs, so impressed with how they handled it. And, um, you know, I'm sure they've got a few tricks up their sleeve with the draft, Yeah, but it's kind of cool for the guys. I mean, as much as you, you miss the environment of uh, being, you know, in the building and sort of being part of that whole show. You know, it is going to be kind of neat to be in, you know, in your house with your extended family and friends and just waiting. And then it's sort of instant celebration. You know, normally the guys at the draft, you know, we have a pretty good party at the draft, but they come back and then it's sort of a, you know, you have your little draft party after. So it's going to be kind of cool. A little bit more like the NFL, I think, where, you know, these guys are surrounded by their friends and family. So I think it's going to be a really cool experience either way.
3: It's funny. I was talking to a player last week, and you know, as disappointing as he is to not be able to, you know, go up on stage, pull the jersey on, and all that stuff in front of the big crowd. Twenty, thirty years from now, they're going to be able to look back this class and, and say, "I was part of that." You know, the, the COVID draft of 2020, and that'll be a unique experience that nobody, that very few, knock on wood, that nobody else gets.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. A little less stress too. I got to be honest with you because you know what they do at the draft is you're sitting there, there's probably four or five cameras and they sort of have the cameras on the guys that are probably going to go. Right. And so if you go a little later than you expect, which is still great, there's a little bit of anxiety there because the camera's in your face, you're waiting, you know, and if you happen to drift a bit in the draft, you know, especially, uh, you know, the way they do it now, it's just the first round on day one. So if you're a middle second round pick, you got to go back to your hotel we get all suited up the next day, come back. And so it's it's, it's there's a little bit of uh added anxiety issue, too, with being there in person. So I think that – I'm sure the guys will still be nervous, but it'll be a lot easier to handle when you're sitting in your living room with your mom and dad and your best buddy. You know, it should take a little of the pressure off.
3: Jerry Johansson from the Sports Corporation, uh, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Um, Jerry, well, okay, we, we mentioned that the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League has started. Uh, the WHL is circled December 4th on the calendar. I think the OHL – is a couple of days uh, earlier than that, had no idea really what's happening in the NCAA uh, with uh, all the students, whether they can even go to campus and attend classes and if there's going to be hockey. Uh, So much uncertainty. What's your gut telling you right now? And when you're talking to parents, what's the feeling from them about what to expect this coming year? Does anybody really have a, a firm handle on what to expect?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things nobody really knows. I mean, so they're, you know, and, and I mean, a lot of these young guys, they've been on the same schedule since they were like seven years old, you Mm -hmm. know, so hockey sort of runs generally for any age group pretty much along the same lines. So it's a bit of shock. Uh, We're just trying to get our guys to stay patient. Um, I'm, I'm really optimistic that, you know, things are going to open like, you know, so I look at like Finland, Sweden, Switzerland, you know, they are all pretty back to normal. And, uh, you know, my good friend, Matt Dom Kelly is a GM in Lugano, which is literally a half an hour outside of Milan, Italy. And they were the epicenter of the breakout of this thing early on. And, uh, they're right back. It looks like really close to back to normal. Um, you know, and then the NHL obviously did a nice job. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball, other than a few hiccups early, seemed to be more or less progressing with the regular season. So, you know, the, the, you mentioned the Quebec League, they, you know, they're they're up and running, it looks like. So I think that it's just a matter of time for everybody to get comfortable with how they're going to do it. Um, But I mean, you can fly on an airplane and you can go into a Costco. You know, there should be a way to get fans into a stadium to watch hockey. I, you know, I can't imagine there's not a way to do that. And, uh, you know, every week or two that goes by, it, it seems like three months go by in terms of we get a little more comfortable with this new reality we're all living in. So hmm. I'm pretty optimistic that this will all get going. Um you know, I the colleges are a little different cuz they've got a lot it's more dynamic on some of those big campuses so they got other things to to consider, but uh I'm pretty optimistic we'll get going here.
3: Rene Fasella from the IIHF has already said that there won't be fans at the uh, 2021 World Junior Championship uh, here in Edmonton and in uh, Red Deer. Which obviously sucks for uh, for junior hockey fans, um, but can you see you know the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League is going to start playing without fans? How long can they do that? Can the WHL do that? I, I mean, it's a pretty gate driven league.
2: Yeah, I mean that's going to be the call, right? I, I think you know, and I and I think I mean it, I mean I don't know this, but if I'm it, it's fairly logical that it's some I mean you're certainly going to put one fan in there. So if you put one fan, maybe you can put you know twenty five percent capacity. Hmm. and see how it goes and then you know maybe you bump that up as as things progress you know so again I mean I've been on a few flights uh the last month and you know you're sitting shoulder to shoulder with people and it's you know that seems to work so I I think there's a way to do it to get fans in the building and but I applaud them for starting because I think once you start and you're operating it's a lot easier than to get fans in the building you know as a secondary step you know so but I think the league, the Western League's probably just giving themselves a little longer runway, which isn't a bad idea either. You know, because again, there's nothing stopping these teams from playing later in the year. You know, so right. you know this year we might start late, but we're probably going to end late, which is isn't, isn't a bad thing either. So we're we're playing hockey in June, uh, you know, perhaps, and if, you know, if that's the case, you know, then it's really no problem.
3: Well, one difference between the Q and the uh, WHL and the OHL, there's no American teams in the Q, so they don't have that border to have to. uh Cross and of course right now there's not a lot going uh, positively in the United States uh, with this virus so um, they they might have a little bit uh, more uh, leniency out east than uh, the WHL and the OHL can do with uh, several teams uh, south of the border. Um, you were talking about the Europe and I know there's been some CHL players from Europe who have decided to stay there and play. Uh, back home, could you see, is it an option for some North American players? Let's say if the WHL doesn't get going or he gets pushed back to February or or something like that, could you see an avenue where some North American-based players could go over and play overseas?
2: Well, I mean, it depends on the player. Like, it's a little bit difficult. I mean, if you're a young pro guy signed to a pro contract, you know, you might get a, if you found a good spot in Europe, the, the NHL team might want him to be over there playing. Um, you know, the, I would say the the kids that are signed to Western League contracts, it's difficult. You know, I don't think that Hockey Canada and, and the leagues are going to be too eager to let players go. I mean, the, all you're going to have, then you just have to figure out how to get them all back if if we start. And, uh, you know, so, I, I mean, and, and not only that, but there's a lot of, you know, European players staying home and playing as opposed to coming over here and playing. So there's not a lot of opportunity over there right. necessarily guys so it's 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 a little there's a few log jams in the system and um you know that even includes the east coast league like you know what's going to happen there but you know it's it's like any business it's you know any industry all these pieces are interconnected to some degree so you know i i think you know i i think the best bet for these young guys is to just to be patient sort of come to terms with that it's a new schedule this year and that's all there is to it and and you know I mean, hey, if it doesn't start, that's worst-case scenario. Then we'll have to figure something out. I don't think that will change anything. We'll just have to, you know, figure out a plan. Um, but, but I'm optimistic that we will get started at some point here.
3: Now, sports corporation always has big-name players eligible for each draft. Who are uh, some of the, you know, the top-ranked first-round uh, eligible or promoted or uh, uh, hyped guys uh, for the 2020 draft that uh, fans will get to know.
2: Well, you know, we have a number of guys. We have, uh, um, you know, Seth Jarvis, uh, he's a, you know, Winnipeg guy, young guy plays in Portland and, uh, you know, he's had a great year. Just of the, you know, he's, he's just shot lights out. So it's, um, you know, he's a, he's probably our top picked, uh, um, our top ranked player. Um, so, you know, uh, Tristan Robbins from Saskatoon and, uh, you know, uh, Luke Prokop, uh, from the city here, uh, you know, uh, you know, in Bjorkland, uh, you know, Brian Thompson, a gold, uh, Medicine Hat Lethbridge goaltenders have been, you know, really highly thought of. So, yeah, it's interesting. And, and as we all know, like, you know, it's sort of like the Braden Point, you know, sort of a mid third round pick who turned out to be a pretty good player, That's you know. Right. So for us, for us, the entire, you know, the rankings are sort of a reality to deal with. We don't get too caught up in it because at the end of the day, there's only two kinds of players, guys that play and guys that don't. And if you play, you don't really care how you got there, you know? So we try to keep that perspective during the draft. Um, And even like Johnny Ludwig, he's a great, you know, was a first team all-star in Portland was a third round pick last year. His first year of eligibility, he didn't get drafted, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's all those stories. So we're, we're excited about our group. We are every year and uh, you know, it's going to be fun, but certainly Seth Jarvis is going to be our top pick. He could, you know, he'll be a, he'll be a, you know, sort of a first half of the first round player, you know,
3: and I know for 2021, Sebastian Costa with the Oil Kings is one of your guys. And I, I'm pretty sure Logan Stankoven uh, with Kamloops is, is another. When you're looking that far ahead, this big delay and how long it goes for, do you have concerns about what it means to development for young players?
2: You know, I really don't. One thing about young guys, they're impressive. They're growing and getting stronger anyway. So they're not really, time is really only their friend, you know. I think as you get older, you know, if you're in your mid thirties, time isn't necessarily your friend when it comes to sports, but, uh, you know, but I think with these young kids, I mean, other than just they're, they're, they're all so competitive and they're, and they want to play. So it's, you know, it's, it's taxing on your emotionally on you to have these delays, but. For guys like Logan and Sebastian, both awesome players, they're fine. They're just going to get stronger and bigger and faster and everything. So, you know, I don't worry about them at all. It just, it's just weathering the storm. That's really the hard part. And I think our old threes for next year are going to be fine. I think we're going to be very, pretty much back to normal, you know, uh, in a year from now.
3: Jerry, what's next on your agenda? What do you got uh, up between now and the NHL draft? What do you do?
2: Well, you know what we've been we've been you know sort of talking teams haven't been that active with contracts, although we've got some deals we're working on, and we've sort of consistently done that and I mean the biggest thing for us is really probably the lack of travel you know usually we're traveling you know you know two or three weeks a month, so it's you know with that out of the way you, you know I'm doing a few trips, but it's not bad and uh, so yeah, you have it seems like you're not that busy, but you know it's kind of a nice break we're still we're just talking to our players making sure everybody's good you know, planning on, you know, whether it be the draft or whether it be contract negotiation or whatever. We're still sticking to the normal plan hmm. just with a completely different schedule.
3: Well, this was terrific uh, information. I really appreciate you making the time. And, unfortunately, we don't get, like, the Holinka-Gretzky Cup and all that stuff this past summer is all cancelled and some of the, the big international tournaments have already been waived. Well, fingers crossed the World Junior, even without fans, we'll uh, we'll get to see that in December. Jerry, I really appreciate your time. Good luck for, for you and your guys at the Draft.
2: Awesome. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
3: That was Jerry Johansson from the Sports Corporation. Interestingly, uh, since I did that interview, that was Tuesday maybe of this past week, uh, Ridley Gregg, Connor McLennan, both headed overseas to uh, play to start this season until the WHL is up and running. So I'd asked him his thoughts if that would be a, you know, an option for a lot of players. He, he didn't think it would be, and then immediately – a couple of guys were off, and I, I don't think they were the only ones either. I think there are others. Although some of them might have been, you know, twenty year olds or you know, eligible to start in the American Hockey League this year and uh, would be playing pro anyway. Not the case though with McLennan and uh, Ridley. Gregg. both of them are draft eligible players. Both you've heard here on the Pipeline Show. Thanks to Jerry for uh, coming on the show again, though, and uh, he joined me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Free home delivery. Order by one o'clock. At troubledmonk.com, enter promo code PIPELINE. And uh, no matter if you're spending 20 bucks or 200 bucks, free delivery uh, just for entering a promo code PIPELINE. Next up on the program, we're headed to Regina. Rod Peterson, the uh, host of The Rod Peterson Show, talk about uh, COVID-19 and what uh, he thinks should be happening right now, especially in regards to the Western Hockey League. That's next here on The Pipeline Show. Left wing side, Sergei Sporowski to the offensive zone, pass right side, Henry, has shot, he scores! Oh, what a goal! 21 seconds into the second, and the Pats lead 3-0. Hey, uh,
1: this is Nick Henry from the Regina Pats,
3: and this is the Pipeline Show.
2: Hi, I'm Sarah from Arcan Trailer and RV. We know many lives have been altered and plans have changed, but something that hasn't changed is everyone's desire to make new memories with their families. Arcan wants to help you go camping this summer and we'd like to make your payments for you. This isn't a deferral. We'll make your payments all summer long. Or if you currently have an RV but need a new one, trade it in and we'll make your payments too. It's on us. Visit
0: arcanrv.com for details and start planning your best trip ever. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley.
3: We are back on the Pipeline Show. Let's kick off another uh, CHL Insider segment, and uh, my guest today is a lo- was a long time voice with the uh, Regina Pats, now the uh, host of the aptly named Rod Peterson Show, which you can check out. Follow him on Twitter at Rod Peterson. Uh, Rod Peterson is my guest. Uh, welcome back to the program, Rod. Boy, it's been a long time. Uh, good to talk to you again.
0: It's very good to talk to you, as a matter of fact, and it's an honor to be on the Pipeline Show. I've got to tell you, the first time your show, how many years has it been? It's yeah, this is the way? season
3: 16 now.
0: <laughs> That's what I thought. It first came on my radar with Jordan Everly. I remember yeah. way back in the day that Ebs was coming on the show, and he was pretty excited to do it. A lot of things have happened since then with Ebs. Uh, <laughs> what'd you say?
3: Yeah, uh, no kidding. It's now. Well, I appreciate you making the time because uh, it's, it's uh, well, it's weird times. There's a lot of people not doing a whole lot. There's other people like yourself, uh, very busy and, and uh, a very entertaining show that you've put together. Maybe before we get into the stuff I want to talk about, uh, for those who haven't uh, seen uh, the show and maybe don't know about it, uh, how can they find it? What's your show all about?
0: Uh, well, I appreciate the opportunity. You know, it's the Rod Peterson Show. We've done 311 episodes, and it started as a Facebook Live show. And listen online, obviously all digital. And then on July, July 2nd, this summer, we went on Game Plus Network nationally. So in Alberta, it's available on Telesoptic TV. I'm not sure the channel number, hmm. but it's available in uh, over a million homes in Canada and U.S. And we honestly, the way we frame it is a coffee table discussion. For years, I thought we Canada was devoid of a daytime sports talk show. Uh, And that's what we've done. And it's morphed a lot from when we started. But it's Western Canadian show. We talk about Western Canadian things. A lot of Oilers, Flames, Jets. Uh, I almost said Eskimos, buddy. Not. Uh, (laughs) CFL. (laughs) How about that? A lot of CFL. uh, Lacrosse, obviously, with the NLL. We just talk about what... Really, what Western Canadians are talking about, but it's really gravitated with Eastern Canada and Americans too. So it's not really focused on one sport. Let's put it that way. It's been refreshing.
3: And you've got a bunch of guys that join you on a regular basis uh, in your studio, things like that as well. So it's a nice roundtable sort of discussion.
0: Uh, it is. It's funny you say that because Richie Pelon was in studio with us on Tuesday, and he was on his way through Regina from Northern Saskatchewan down to Wayburn to get training camp open with the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League which is a topic you and I are going to get into here. Junior hockey, of course. Uh, but it was cool. He came in and we started talking Junior A, and it spun off into unreal stories. Maybe you saw the clip of playing for John Tortorella with the Rangers, playing for uh, Glenn Sather there, the tough, rough and tumble days of the NHL. Just storytelling and that kind of thing. It's just, its its like I say, it's fun.
3: Well, and uh, I guess the hot topic for the last few months has been, well, the global pandemic and how that's impacted everything. You're really close to the CFL in Regina, and uh, we know what's happened with the Canadian Football League, and it's affected most other sports as well. Sure, the NHL is is uh, finishing off their 2020 season, but who knows what happens with the, the, the next season, when that's going to happen, but you're in Regina, the Pats... Expected, you know, a lot of uh, hoopla right now for the Pats. They got a, a superstar player on the way, uh, but we don't know when there's going to be a season. What's maybe the temperature of the waters right now in uh, in your city uh, around the WHL, and when we might see a season?
0: Well, you know what? There's a lot of unrest, and you mentioned my rant today on my show regarding getting back to playing, and I'm I speaking simply as a fan now. Uh, I'm a season ticket holder of the Pats. And although I spent 20 seasons as voice of the Rough Riders, hockey's my mother tongue. It's what I love the most. So it hit me Monday of this week really hard. That's when the Pats inter-squad game would have been. Mm-hmm. You know, was the voice of the Pats for 15 years. Uh-huh. And I kind of had my lip out on that, and we we're talking about that on the air. And a lot of Regina fans called me and said, look, it's not just the inter-squad we're missing. This was our chance to watch the holy child, Connor Bedard. <laughs> like, there was, obviously, that was the term, by the way, not mine, it was his. So everybody's excited. It was a rush on season tickets when he was drafted first overall by the Pats. And it's just obviously died. And the Pats have been getting a little criticism for not really marketing Connor Bedard right now. And I thought, look, I. I get where people are coming from, but what is there to market right now? We've talked to Ron Robinson several times on our show. December 4th is the start date. And we've heard from John Paddock and I've heard from Dave Stroosh. Everybody's eager, including Connor Bedard. I mean, apparently I think the quote from Paddock was, this is killing him too. Or, you know, it wasn't that bad of a metaphor, but it was like it's eating him up too. That Connor Bedard can't lace him up for the Pats too. So it's, It's unrest is what it is here. And don't even get me started, obviously, on Ryder fans having the season canceled. So it's a pretty depressing (laughs) atmosphere sports-wise here. I'm sure it's not a ton different than Edmonton, other than you guys do have the bubble there. But obviously, you can't go to the games. So, Yeah. yeah, that's where it's at.
3: Well, and from a WHL perspective, I mean, everybody's hoping October or December fourth is going to go off and and that we'll get back to ranks and stuff. But boy, uh, I don't know about what the situation is like in Saskatchewan and, and certainly down in your neck of the woods in Regina. But things are on, you know, the cases of COVID nineteen are, are on the rise here again in Alberta. And with back to school, heck, in a normal school year, the first month is terrible because all the kids get the back together and start passing the cold and the flu around. Uh, I am expecting a a boost or a jump here in the COVID-19 numbers as well. And with the the league talking about how important that they want to have 50% capacity in their arenas. And, of course, the the border crossing is going to be an issue because it's as bad as it is in Alberta right now. It's uh, way worse uh, south of the border. Do you see an end? Is there a light in the end of of this tunnel? No, there isn't. And actually, my
0: breaking point this week that led to my rant was, I was in the gym just the other day, and a buddy of mine that I hadn't seen for a long time it was telling me. I said, how's your grandson? Because his grandson was playing, I don't want to say the teams. He's playing junior A hockey in Saskatchewan. I've kind of been following the kid's career. And then he went out to Ontario, finished up his 20-year-old season on Ontario last season, and then he committed to a U.S. college for this fall. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they weren't playing and the kid hung up his pads with his grandpa's term. And he's gone in to be an EMT. And I, it just killed me maybe being a former goalie that I am. I'm, I'm like, this is wrong. I've seen the pandemic now end lives in terms of suicides and that kind of thing, ruined lives, altered lives forever. And I thought some kid that's got to give up on his dream, pursuing a pro goaltending career because of COVID controls. I just, I'm 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 done with it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You talk about cases going up, and I apologize if I'm offending you. This is simply my opinion. Deaths, cases, two different things entirely. I'm not totally believing of the numbers. Mm. To be honest with you, I'm not. So with that rant today, people are, you know, I'm getting blasted somewhat. Nothing that I can't handle. But they said we need to listen to the scientists, Rod. It's just sports, and I said I'm sorry. The scientists, I'm not sure, are uh, sports fans. They don't run businesses. These are the people whose lives are being ruined or altered because of COVID controls. And it was the breaking point for me. I've had enough of it. Based on those numbers, it's a minute fraction of of the population. And it's causing a lot of problems for the people in my world. I guess is my point.
3: I get you, and uh, I know from in, in just comparing the provinces, Saskatchewan's I think a lot uh, less of a situation than it is here in Alberta and, and other parts of the world. But it, you look at what's happening in Washington State and in Oregon, just from a WHL perspective, it's it's tough to imagine that they're going to be allowed to play in front of fans, right? And get together anytime soon.
0: Actually, when you say that, so you said, will there be a light at the end of the tunnel? No, I mean I was. It's 150 people in an outdoor space now. That's the max. I don't know what it is in Alberta. I read a story on my show today. The owner of the Carolina Panthers has kind of blasted North Carolina government officials because it's 50 currently in North Carolina for outdoor. (laughs) You're not going to run an NFL team on that. Mm -hmm. So we're six months going into seven months on this now what would honestly lead you to believe that things are going to change in the next two months that the dub is going to be able to play in all those jurisdictions that you mentioned because of what? I just think it's overly, overly precautious here. I've kind of likened it to this. The guy that gets hit from behind, he gets carried off the ice on a stretcher and we all are aghast and think his career's over. They get to the dressing room and he hops off and walks into the room, Hmm. right? It's all precaution. You know, that it's just, I think it's too much and it's, it's just my opinion and maybe a little bit of, of frustration on the rise, but the dub, I just can't see it happening here in the Junior A and I've understand the Alberta Junior Hockey League. They have no, no dates at, at all. No, nothing. Cause we talked about it on our show. We've asked for viewers all across the country. What are they saying in your province about Junior A? It's different everywhere. Yeah. Like Manitoba Junior League has said they're going October ninth. It's happening. Here in Saskatchewan, the president of the SJHL, Bill Chow, said October ninth on my show and then he backed off that. We have a provincial election October twenty sixth. I can tell you, if they start playing and bend the rules or amend them so the SJ can play and there's outbreaks and there was those markets, it'll be curtains for our ruling government right now. Hmm. The Sask party. So I don't think they're going to be playing out until at least October 26th. So it's it's quite depressing. And actually, I just heard the other day about the World Juniors. Yep. That they're going to happen, but empty arenas. There, am I correct on that? I didn't. Somebody told me that. I didn't read any actual newspaper article on that. But I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if that was the
3: case. Yeah, Rod Peterson, my guest here, by the way. And that came out uh, yesterday, the day before that. Uh, Renee Fasel from the AAHF said, definitely no fans in the building. Uh, and they're waiting for a financial proposal from uh, the uh, uh, organizing group. So I I know uh, Cal, not Cal Nichols, uh, Bob Nicholson is he's uh, yeah. now to try to I think it's been reported Terry Jones from the Edmonton Sun I believe had it that uh, they want to uh, uh, potentially have the World Junior in Edmonton Red Deer this year with no fans, but next year get it again uh, as with fans as as normal. So. We'll see where that goes, but I see now today I just just uh, I got the email, about an hour ago, Hockey Canada has canceled three fall events, including the World Junior A Challenge. This one would have been in Ontario, but uh, that's a you know a Junior A uh, tournament that's an international event in Canada. That's now just been canceled, not even postponed, just wiped right out. Which is funny because you got the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League playing right now. <laughs> there's there's games on as you and I are speaking right now. I can even update the scores. Ramouski leads, uh, or they just defeated the Quebec Rampart 3-2 in overtime. They're playing exhibition games, Rod, but we can't do anything.
0: Else. I know, and, and Quebec University football is going to play, too, because I've got one foot in the football world as well. And the president of Football Canada, Jim Mullins, a close friend of mine, they've all left it up to the jurisdictions, whether it be Canada West or OUA, the Quebec League, and the, uh, Quebec has said we're playing. So, honestly, the people... screaming at me rod look at the numbers and i'm saying i am 99.6 percent recovery rate if you get covid versus 0.4 if you are going to die too many people's lives are being affected by a fraction of people that will be affected by this that's my take and i'm obviously yeah i've got a blowback but i've got a lot of support too so it's it's a it's a tough one and uh I just want to, it sounds trite to say I just want to see some hockey, but it's, But you know what, it's come down to trading one life for another, you know, and it's, I don't think that that's right. I just think if we could sign a waiver, way back when this started, I thought what it will ultimately be, sign a waiver to enter an arena or a stadium to play, and I'm willing to do that. I know, I know the kids would sign a waiver to play too, I know it. I've signed a waiver to get a massage, signed a waiver to do this, you know, waiving liability. and But obviously, government officials aren't wanting to allow the leagues to do that. So I guess we should live in Quebec if we want to play hockey. <laughs>
3: uh, that's an interesting idea about the waivers, though. Uh, Rod, before I let you go, I wanted yeah. to ask you about Dub Network. You've uh, partnered up uh, with uh, a site that I've wrote, written for in the past as well. Uh, how'd that come about for you? And obviously, your love for the WHL continues. So what do you got uh, going on and moving forward with Dub Network?
0: Well, I tell you, it's been a lot of fun, and I appreciate the mention and the sport support on that. Frankly, I just said, "Hey, I'm going to the games anyways." Regina and Moose Jaw are only thirty minutes apart. Mm-hmm. It's the league that I love the most. It's the league that I love first, and I just said to Paul Figler, who runs it. Um, cause he shut the site down for a while. You yeah. probably are aware of yeah. that. And I just said, Hey, there's no reason the dub needs the coverage. So I said, I would be more than happy to cover Regina and Moose Jaw. This was very early into the pandemic. I didn't think we'd be this far <laughs> down the line with a delay. Uh, and Paul said, yeah, by all means do it. And it's kind of flourished into, you know, I've been covering all league topics and just it's, it's nice. You know, junior hockey guys. To get on the phone with a James Patrick or a Dave Lowry or a Dave Stroosh or Mark O'Leary and Moose Jot, they're just good guys. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing we know about junior hockey the coaches are always willing to do the interview, promote the league, and that's not always the case in the pros. And what I love about junior hockey and always have is the unpredictability of it literally no lead is safe right you can be up 5-1 going into the third period and lose 6-5 in a heartbeat yeah. in a playoff game i just love the brand of hockey and i love the people that are in the game so i mean i got the opportunity to go back and broadcast games in the dub i may or may not but writing is something i love to do I've been writing my blog for 14 years i just love doing it and paul was more than willing to bring me on board so it's been nice to be elbows deep again and you know what i'd like to make the odd road trip i haven't seen the new arena in medicine hat i haven't been to an oil kings game in rogers place and it doesn't look like i will be for a while (laughs) but i can you know just get on the road and go cover these games and this league and have a reason to do it and uh it's i'm only doing it for fun i guess is the point and it has it has delivered on that front
3: well, Rod, great to catch up with you, and hopefully the next time we chat, uh, maybe we are in a rink uh, watching a game. Uh, that would be terrific. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, stay safe. I
0: appreciate it. You stay safe. And the next time, we'll talk about Connor Bedard and what he means to the Pats and the WHL. I'd love to have that discussion.
3: Awesome. Thanks for this, Rod. Okay, man. Stay safe. That's Rod Peterson from The Rod Peterson Show, also a contributor at Dubnetwork.ca. Now, I know he's taken a lot of flack for uh, his uh, – His opinion, his perspective uh, that he put out, I had that conversation with him on, I want to say Thursday, and he had tweeted um, out his rant, which you can find, uh, follow him on Twitter, and a lot of people objected to what he had to say. He had a lot of support, though, as well, and although, listen, I I come from a different perspective because I have someone in my immediate family who would be considered high risk uh, should she contract COVID-19. And we live our life accordingly because of that. Uh, so we're very cautious in our household. And uh, my son isn't going to high school, he is uh, doing all his uh, high schooling at home. So we are taking the precautions. So I come from, so my opinion comes from that perspective, uh, which would differ from Rod's. But I certainly respect his opinion. And the idea of the waiver is intriguing to me. And I I fight with this uh, for for myself. If the WHL is up and running in December, am I going to games as media or as a broadcaster? Uh, I don't know. Because that would be, on some level, a risk that I don't need to take considering my family. But I think we're at the point now where it is uh, constructive to hear a variety of opinions and have a civil discussion. That's what I appreciate about Rod coming on and expressing his opinion. You should check out his show if you haven't seen it. It's great stuff, especially if you, I mean, he talks a wide variety of sports. There has been WHL, lots of CFL stuff and lots of NHL stuff too. Great show and a great co-host that he has in studio with him. Uh, Check that out and uh, read his stuff at dubnetwork.ca as well. Up next, joining me on the Troubled Monk Hotline, we're going to head out to the East Coast. Mike Sanderson, who is uh, with McKean Saki and has been a longtime broadcaster out there. He's next to uh, tee up the coming season in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Preseason already underway. Let's get up to speed next here on the Pipeline Show. Now off the bench because Pelche, he's going to burst to speed. Pelche, he's gone!
0: This is Jacob Potti of the Moncton Wildcats, and you're listening to Pipeline Choke.
2: Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Johnny Gaudreau.
3: Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal. Joe
2: Pavelski. Goal! And Shane gosses were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey.
0: Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
3: I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. We are back on the Pipeline Show, and uh, I know there's not a lot of hockey being played in uh, most leagues in North America, but holy cow, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League is not just uh, getting ready to play, but they've already started preseason action as I'm speaking with you right now. There's a number of games that have uh, just wrapped up uh, earlier today. Usually I do these interviews uh, with my guests uh, during what is the morning here in Edmonton or early afternoon. Uh, this evening, we're going uh, late as uh, Mike Sanderson from McKean's and longtime uh, broadcaster in the queue. He's my guest. Uh, Mike, welcome back to the program. How are you? Hey,
1: thanks, Guy. It's great to be talking hockey again.
3: Well, I appreciate uh, you making the time. For me, it almost feels uh, foreign, or like I'm way out of date now because how long we've been off without junior hockey. And out here, nobody's even talking yet about the start of it because it's, uh, you know, the WHL is looking at December, like the OHL. Uh, so I'm, I feel like I'm way behind. Uh, so I need you to catch me up uh, on things. First off, were you surprised that the Q decided to uh, push forward and start in uh, in October, October first, uh, instead of uh, pushing into December like the OHL and the and the dub?
1: Uh No, I don't think necessarily that I was surprised. I know that if you read the reports out of Quebec, much like out in Ontario, where there's such a massive push uh, from government in particular to reopen, get back to normal, um, regardless of what the science seems to say in some cases, uh, that didn't surprise me in the province of Quebec, where two-thirds of the league is. And in the Maritimes, uh, we've already had a maritime bubble for a couple of months, I think since July um, July, early August, at least, where uh, residents of New Brunswick could travel to Nova Scotia and to PEI and vice versa. Um, so it didn't surprise me that from a maritime perspective that we're talking about hockey right now, um, mostly, you know, looking at the way that it's gone in the maritimes, I understand that certainly you go further west and it seems like it's been uh, worse and worse as the as the population gets bigger. I think that's a fortunate thing. Uh, for the Maritimes is that since the population isn't all that big and, you know, we're not as big a business center or as big a population center as some of the other areas in North America, Um, we're a little bit more fortunate in that we haven't been as touched uh, with COVID-19 as much as the rest of North America. So from a maritime perspective, I understand it. Um, the teams are making precautions. Quebec teams are also making precautions. Uh, at the opening of the regular season, there will not be fans in buildings in Quebec. Uh, in the Maritimes, there will be significantly reduced capacity uh, starting on October the 2nd.
3: You, I think you nailed it. It's the population thing that uh, I think is the biggest deal, but Quebec is a pretty populous province for sure. It's got the second biggest city in the country in Montreal, although there isn't a a junior team right in Montreal. But just on a personal level, are you concerned at all? Do you think this goes off without a hitch, or are you kind of taking a a wait-and-see attitude?
1: Well, I think we've seen with a number of the pro sports teams that have made their moves uh, to play right now, we see it in the NBA where it's a relatively well-managed bubble for the most part. We see it in Major League Baseball where it's not as well-managed as we've seen a couple of teams, St. Louis Cardinals, Miami Marlins in particular, that have had outbreaks um at certain points in times of the season we've seen massive cancellations uh in major league baseball um so you know i think we've seen kind of both ends of the spectrum i think obviously it could get way worse and it could get a little bit better in some cases too but you know i think we've seen two separate examples uh of situations where things have kind of gone awry uh for the queue, that Certainly could still happen, and I think we have to make as many precautions as we can uh, to make sure that everything is being done safely and is done uh, in a healthy manner. And I think that the teams certainly and the league have have that in mind, uh, with the balance of getting as many games as possible. And you know, in the case of the Maritime, certainly it's getting as many games in front of as many fans as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, the teams have announced their plans, uh, at least in the Maritimes, to welcome fans in, and certainly is. As we've said, it's a dramatically reduced capacity at 20-25% roughly. Uh, I know capacity for Centre 200, at least at this point for the year, is a little over a 1,000 uh, for an arena that holds 5,000 or more. So uh, certainly, you know, you're talking about a dramatic difference uh, for everybody. But that's really what 2020 has been. It's been a dramatic difference from the everyday. And, um, you know, I think that there's a balance to be found uh, in terms of finding the right way to do it um you know i i think that the league is taking the right precautions and uh, the right approach to make sure this is being done safely and healthy um i think that most teams would agree if something happens then you know certainly quick actions will have to be taken but you know you look at the queue schedule it's released t- today which is thursday 60 uh, game schedule Teams won't be playing outside of their division. Uh, There's three divisions of six. Uh, The team divisions are broken up the same as they were uh, a couple of years ago before the league went to four divisions. So uh, it's familiarity there. And uh, the way the schedule is set up is that uh, more than four of every five games for the entire league is played on a weekend. So if make dates have to be made, there's plenty of dates available. And it's mm-hmm. not like these arenas are hustling and bustling with other events going on right now. Maybe that will be changed in January or February. But, you know, it's, for schedule makers, it's a dream because just about every date's been open. So, you know, to, to make a schedule to hit the 60-game mark for the queue, I think, is very doable in this situation.
3: All right, so with uh, 60 games, so they're chopping eight games off the regular schedule. But with the OHL and the Dubs supposed to be starting in December, and quite honestly, I'm I'm taking a wait and see on that because we got out here we've got the U.S. border to contend with, and, and as bad as, as some people feel it is in Western Canada, it's a lot worse uh, south of the border. So uh, I'll believe it when I see them mm-hmm. on the ice uh, that they're going to be getting back to playing. But let's assume the OHL and the Dub do start in December. Do does the Q? And the, all, do all three leagues end at the same time, or how do they uh, balance that off with the Q starting two months sooner?
1: Well, I think ultimately the, the goal of the 2021 Memorial Cup is to be played in June. I think that's been established uh, already a long time ago, was to push it back from a May event to a June event that was announced several months ago. I think that's the end game. How we get there uh, is a very good question. The Q doesn't even know how their playoffs are going to be yet. Uh, they've said they'll announce the playoff format at a later time, likely around December. So, um, you know, I think they're looking to the O and the dub to see how to structure their own playoff format based on what the regular season schedule will be for the other two leagues or what happens there. Right. So uh, everything is touch and go. And that's something that, as sports fans, we're so not used to, it's, you know, the, the NHL schedule is 82 games and the, you know, the WHL, the OHL Q schedule is somewhere between, you know, 68 and 72. It's been for the last, you know, 20 odd years, it's Mm -hmm. been the same schedule. And then the playoffs start mid-March and the Memorial cup in May. Well, we're so used to that, that everything's turned on its head now. And, uh, you know, for the O and the dub, and I agree you know, it's another very fortunate point for the queue that they don't have any U.S. teams anymore. Lewiston was the last one uh, nearly 10 years ago. So, uh, you know, it's very fortunate for the queue that their location benefits them. The fact of so many teams in the Maritimes really benefits them to be able to get this thing started. And uh, for the 12 teams in Quebec, they can isolate in Quebec, uh, which in, in some ways is fortunate uh, in that position as well. So, uh, you know, the queue really can benefit from this in their own way. Uh, in ways that the other teams really can't. Though there are American players in the queue, uh, of course, that haven't reported to training camp yet. But, you know, that's, that's a far cry from the issues that the OHL and the WHL have to deal with.
3: Right. I was going to ask about the American players in the queue. Are there any big-name guys, impact players, who haven't been able to uh, join their clubs yet? Um,
1: a few. Most of them actually Europeans more than uh, Americans. A lot of uh, import draft picks haven't reported yet. Uh, I think one notable name or two notable names that have reported are uh, both uh, European players from Victoriaville uh, in Mikhail Abramov and Yegor Sergiuk, who both played uh, tonight on Thursday in their preseason game. Uh, Sergiuk never left Canada and Abramov got a lot of help from the Toronto Maple Leafs to get his visa and quarantine and come here extra early. Um, a lot of European players, and a lot of the American players, they, even if you look at the announcement for the training camp rosters, um, it was a lot of, yeah, they'll join us at a later date, you know, the asterisks and uh, they Q actually kind of helped them out because the, the training camp rosters, the limits were dramatically cut. The Q only allowed for 34 players maximum uh, to report to training camp as opposed to the 60 uh, they usually allow. So it's a dramatic cut. Um, but players that can't report who would be anticipated to be on teams such as Matt Gould and St. John, for instance, or, um, panomarev in in uh, Shewinigan or you know other impact players who would likely be on rosters uh, they didn't have to name them to training camp rosters yet so they didn't have to count to the 34
3: right
1: um so that's kind of some ways where the queue was able to give teams some leeway but uh, there there's a couple of players per team i know shikurumi has three or four players who who uh, haven't reported to training camp um uh, either by way of quarantine or or otherwise there's a couple of players who haven't reported uh, regardless for instance Alexi Gravel in Halifax has not uh, reported to Moosehead training camps he's apparently awaiting a trade so hmm. um, that's that's the usual every year headache of training camp but uh, for the most part uh, the players that haven't reported are uh, quarantine or COVID-19 related.
3: Mike Sanderson from McKean's and a uh, long time uh broadcaster, media guy uh, around the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League is my guest as we uh, – well, let's look ahead now to the uh, the season in the queue. And last year we had Sherbrooke and Moncton, who were the, the top teams, Shikoudmi in that mix as well. But with uh, the – every team loses their overage guys from last year, and you've already touched on some of the uh, the bigger-name guys who uh, aren't back at least yet. Uh, and, of course, uh, Alexei Lafreniere not going to be back either do we see a balance of power shift, or are the good teams still going to be the good teams this year?
1: Uh, that's a really good question. Honestly, you look at the rosters, and, and coming into the season, of course, it's so different because, uh, in particular, just one of the many wrinkles, the overage rule. The Q was exploring perhaps having uh, an extra overager, being allowed to play with four. Ah. Uh, as of right now, that's not the case. I know that the Q was talking with the O and the Dub try to find some uniformity among all three leaves to to kind of allow for those overage players who wouldn't necessarily, if they didn't find a spot among the three on a Q team or a CHL team, would drop down to Junior A, where you know there's so much more of a question of which leagues are going to play and when. So uh, to keep those players on the ice, the Q was exploring a fourth overager. As of now, they've said no, but uh, that's unlikely to change in terms of dressing, but I think you'll see them hang on to 20s a little bit later than they would usually. Um, having said that, I think a team like Sherbrooke is still in a position where they could contend. Sam Poulain is back. He's in camp. Um, Samuel Levi is back. He's uh, due to report when he can, as we've mentioned in the previous question. Um, so hopefully for Sherbrooke, he reports sooner rather than later because that's their, their number one goalie. They traded uh, Thomas Sigouin uh, to Quebec in the off season. So, uh, you know, Sherbrooke, is not as deep as last season. Uh, they've made a few trades to distribute some players out based on the uh, trades they made last year, but they're still in a position where they could strike. The cube doesn't have that top pure contender this year. Hmm. Uh, next season, there's a couple teams that could be uh, heading into 2022, but uh, this year there's some teams that are young and really strong, but the fact that they're young doesn't necessarily help them. You look at St. John, you look at Shawinigan uh, or Quebec. I think those three teams next season uh, might be your pinnacle teams. But as of this year, you you add those three to the mix because a young team that gets hot in this position certainly could uh, strike up high in the league. You look at a team like Charlottetown, which acquired Colton Ellis from Rimouski, uh, to add to a veteran blue line. I think they're in a position where even if they win every game one nothing, they could still win more than they lose. Um, a team like Cape Breton or Shakutami, if they decide not to sell, uh, are in positions where they could jump up and strike at the top half uh, of the league. I think the only certainty uh, that you can find at the terms of the way teams line up is a team like Moncton. Moncton lost a lot. They do get Gabriel Forti back who's in camp, but um, they lost a lot in trades. They lose Zach Lutter and uh, Elliot Denoyer to Halifax. Uh, Jordan Spence is pending a, a trade, though he'll be there until mid-season. Jacob Peltier was traded. Um, you know, that's, I think you can kind of set your watch to the fact that Moncton's going to have a tougher year this year than they did last year. Hard, hard to be any better than they were last year, but uh, certainly I think that's a team that's going to see a free fall. And you look at a team like Rimouski, no, no Lafrenia. They returned some pretty good vets, uh, but the ball's in their court as to whether they decide to sell off the rest of their team or go for it. And that's true for a few teams
3: coming into this year. I missed the Yppelche trade. where did he go? Uh,
1: he went to Valdor, and uh, that's going to make them pretty good and competitive in that Western uh, in that Western division uh, with uh, the Blanfield Bobby Armada and the aforementioned Phoenix
3: Hmm. a guy like Pelche I was just thinking of potentially guys who would be you know 19 or 20 years old in a normal year they'd be going to NHL camps and who knows there might be a surprise guy not come back Pelche maybe could have been one of those guys but Uh, Are there a few other names, too, that you can think of that uh, will be in the queue this year because we don't know what's happening with the NHL?
1: Yeah, certainly. You look at, uh, just to start that off, the NHL draft is next month. Right. You know, October 9th and the 10th, and this is the first time ever where the queue will be playing while the NHL draft is on. And I know we've mentioned already Alexi Lafreniere is not going to come back. He's going to train by himself, but you look at someone like Dawson Mercer, uh, who's up in a relatively high position, likely to be taken in the first round. I think everyone would be surprised if he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in camp right now uh, with Shikutami, for instance. So, you know, you look at players that are likely to go in the first round. What happens to them? What happens to them on draft night? You know, do they play? Do teams hold them out? Like, what? There, there's no real certainty as to what's going to happen that way. And especially since we don't know when the NHL is starting again next season, What does training camp look like for players, you know, in a junior uniform for the O and the dub? If you're looking at training camps opening, say in December, that doesn't really affect you any more than it would, you know, because start a season would be usually where you'd lose those guys to training camp for the Q. They're looking at the midseason trading period at that point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're looking mid-season where you might lose these guys for a couple of weeks or maybe the rest of the year. So, uh, you know, that's a really tough play to come in. I know a few prospects, for instance, Rafael Labois uh, signed in Europe as opposed to coming back to the queue uh, to play. So some players are looking at different avenues to uh, train and get their talent. I know for sure, especially in the KHL, for instance, uh, where their training camps usually open at the end of July anyway. Um, Some players since they haven't been playing hockey since the end of March, uh, would rather sign in Europe and start that training camp super early and get themselves into that with an NHL opt-out as part of the deal. So, uh, you know, it's really interesting if you're a prospect right now, where you choose to play and, and how you choose to apply your trade this season.
3: With the NHL draft, I, do you think that influences a, a pick at all in regards to, let's say it's it's Justin Barron, a guy who missed so much time last year, and it's only going to be a week of regular season action, but you know, if he gets off to a good start and he looks great, does that help his case? What about a, you know, maybe it's a, a you know, Hendrix lapierre or another guy who is in a similar situation? Could it also affect a guy negatively if he gets off to a bad start, or heaven forbid, knock on wood, an injury happens or something like that? Because as you pointed out, we we never get the the draft while the junior hockey season is going. This is this is uncharted waters.
1: Absolutely, and and two of those names are are excellent uh, possibilities for that. You look at someone like Justin Barron, Halifax. You know, in their position, yes, they've added a little bit coming into the season. But you know, you'd be remiss if Cam Russell didn't examine the trade market for Justin Barron for a mm-hmm. team that could be a contender this year. Uh, and and the trade period mid season is going to look quite different because there aren't a lot of contenders coming in that knew they were contenders at this point in the season where in December a team gets hot and then they maybe they decide to go for it and Justin Barron's a name that they might look to add on their blue line and then say he goes to camp and blows out his knee or an injury heaven you know heaven forbid that happens you know now Halifax loses a big piece they could have recouped and gotten some pieces for or uh, a piece for their own uh, boost into the playoffs so and you mentioned someone like Andrex Dapiat who's had injury issues and concussion issues um, heading into the draft, he goes to camp, he gets hurt. You know, that's that's a big blow to Shakutami or, you know, whichever team ends up with his services. So, uh, you know, there's lots of questions that, that still come in. I think, I think that's the theme that we've heard all through 2020 is a lot of uncertainty, uh, you know, with the draft in that situation. We already know Alexi Lafreniere has made his choice uh, to not play up until draft night and uh, and then you know, report to wherever it is he happens to be picked. I think we all pretty well suspect it'll be the Rangers, but it's not it's not a hundred percent yet. It's not a hundred percent. So uh, you know, does Quentin Byfield do the same thing in the OHL? Yeah. You know, do other players in other leagues decide to do the same thing? I think, you know, in the case of the OHL and the WHL, where Europe is an option and they're playing right now, uh for you know, Lafanyau where he could be playing right now in North America it's a little bit of a different question than it is for another top prospect whose league isn't playing right now. So it's there's a ton of decisions to be made. You know, you you look at the trading periods, and this current trading period, in the queue wraps up on Sunday. Uh, you will see more trades. You will see a number of trades. There's a lot of different loans. Uh, for players reporting into training camp, veterans reporting into maybe their nearest training camp, as opposed to reporting to a team in Quebec. For instance, uh, Daniel Moody reporting in St. John, as opposed to uh, his team in Quebec. Um, You might see a few trades on the margins, just like every year where, you know, veterans move for a lower pick. Uh, Vlad Kotkov moved uh, to St. John this week uh, for a couple of conditional picks in case he reports or doesn't. It's expected he likely will. Uh, But of course, he also is outside the country, so that adds to it as well, but, uh, it, you know, you'll see some trades. I don't know how many trades you'll see in the midseason training period complicates things as well. You know, where do you trade from Quebec to the Maritimes knowing, and even at that point that might still be true where you're going to have to wait two weeks of no ice for that player before you can get them into uniform. And, you know, usually in a standard Q season, overagers and players, not an active roster could be traded up until early January Um, I I don't know if you'll see a lot of that movement because once you trade, unless you're trading in division, um, if you're a team like Moncton or St. John and you're trading into the province of Quebec for an overager, you lose that guy in quarantine for two weeks uh, where he can't be on the ice. He can't, socialize with his teammates, you hope his Billet family works because they're the only people he's going to see for two weeks. So, um, you know, it's it's a really complicated situation in terms of trades, in terms of player movement, uh, much like everything else involved in this season.
3: No kidding. And such a fluid situation, too. Uh, one month until the regular season is scheduled to start in the queue. Mike, really appreciate uh, your time, as always, uh, filling us uh, with lots of information and getting me caught up because, I, again, I feel like I'm way behind uh, on the news, especially out of the queue. Thanks for doing this, man. Stay safe. Hey, man, for sure. It's nice to be talking to you again. That was Mike Sanderson, the one and only uh, from mckean's and a uh, longtime broadcaster out in the queue. I know he was doing games for Saint John uh, last year, and uh, previously he was uh, on the broadcast for the Moncton Wildcats. Speaking of which, I hadn't heard that uh, about the trade involving uh, Jacob Pelche. That's a big deal for Valdor. So much to get caught up on uh, what's with what's happening in the queue and uh, great that uh, Mike was able to provide a lot of that update for sure. Hopefully everything goes off uh, successfully and the queue can start in early October with regular season games as they plan on. Certainly don't wish any uh, anybody to have a setback. That would be great. And st- kind of wondering what the entire Canadian Hockey League is doing with the uh, online broadcast because they are supposed to amalgamate all of that this year. Haven't heard anything in that regard yet either. Uh, But if games are going to be on in the queue here in a month, I wonder if we start seeing uh, some details about that uh, online package, not just for the queue, but for the entire Canadian Hockey League. That's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks to uh, Mike and before that Rod Peterson and before that Jerry Johansson. Uh, all three of my guests join me courtesy of the Troubled Monk hotline. I mentioned it before. Uh, officially now uh, effective immediately, if you're in Alberta and you live in either Calgary, Edmonton, Red Deer, Saint Albert or Sherwood Park, you can get your uh, same day home delivery absolutely for free. Order by 1 p.m. at troubledmonk.com. It doesn't matter if you're spending 20 bucks or 200 bucks, uh, that delivery will now be free. How? Well, you enter the promo code Simple, one word, Pipeline. That'll let them know that you heard about it on the Pipeline show, and then your delivery is on the house. That's troubledmonk.com. Next week on the show, hopefully I'll get the player, at least the the one player that I was trying to connect with this week that uh, we just couldn't find a a time that worked for everybody. Uh, I hope to have him on the show next week. Might be time to track down another scout as well. Somebody from HockeyProspect.com would be good as the, uh, the NHL draft creeps closer and closer and maybe we'll dip our toes into uh, south of the border and see what's happening with the USHL or the NCAA. Lots of topics we can get to. We'll handle all of that next week. Until then, be respectful and treat each other with uh, courtesy. Abide by the uh, rules, the safety rules, wherever you are. and uh, And if you're supposed to wear a mask, then... Darn well, wear the mask. Until next week, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya.